Welcome to the Team Tea Time Podcast. I'm your host, Timothy Ohanyo. And uh, this week we're going to be covering uh, sports washing. You may have heard the term this year, uh, especially now with the, the sanctioning of uh, the owner of the Chelsea football team, and uh, that's the team in the EPL. Uh, they're actually accusing the, the owner, Roman Abramovich, of being a close ally of uh, Putin. And uh, he's been using uh, his team to kind of loan the money for Putin, and uh, he owes his wealth to the corruption in uh, Russia. So his team has been cancelled, has been sanctioned, and uh, even though there have been stories out there for twenty years, but uh, he has used the strong uh, British libelers to threaten journalists, so they normally don't cover. So, I, like in the later in the in the in the podcast, I'm going to cover how uh, he's been successful at uh, wading off uh, bad stories from journalists about him. Right? I'll cover that later. But uh, sports washing, as it is, has been around for eighty years. Yeah. So, if you go back, you, go, you have to go back eighty years. All right. Uh, first of all, let's let's uh, uh, describe what uh, sports washing is. That's uh, the practice of an individual group, corporation, or nation state to improve their tarnished reputation through hosting uh, sporting events and the purchase or sponsorship uh, of sporting teams. Uh, that's how uh, Amnesty uh, International described it. I thought actually they coined that term in 2018. Because uh, uh, nobody was using the term sports washing, but uh, Amnesty International came up with it because uh, they saw uh, how the states, nation states, were using sports to launder their reputation, uh, buying of uh, teams, especially in Europe, uh, hosting events to uh, kind of uh, foster goodwill among the populace and uh, internationally as well as, as well as locally. Okay, so uh, I think Amnesty International came up with the term sports washing. So that's what, uh, when you hear sports washing, that's what it is. Yeah? It's the, a way of using sports to launder your reputation, whether nation state or even some corporations. All right. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, that, like I said before, it's been going on for 80 years. So it's not a recent phenomenon, even though this year, uh, you've heard the term used a lot, and uh, we're going to cover how uh, some examples of it uh, in, in the future. Uh, towards the end of the story, we're going to cover uh, uh, how, especially the Winter Olympics early this year. An example of that, we're going to uh, we, we'll de we'll describe that uh, the World Cup later this year. <laughs> yeah, we can't forget that. And now with the sanctioning of uh, Chelsea, uh, and then it has brought the whole issue of sports washing, especially in the English professional league. And uh, there's another team in France which is engaged with that too, uh, PSG. Mm -hmm. But uh, now it's, uh, I think uh, that's going to be the topic of the year. That and uh, what's going on in Ukraine uh, now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's what's going to come up. So, uh, actually, 
Okay, uh, the first instance that I'm going to use, uh, I'm going to bring up the, the example of sports washing uh, goes back 80 years, and that's uh, with uh, the hosting of the World Cup in uh, Italy. As you know, in the 30s, there was a phenomenon, the fascist phenomenon going on in uh, Europe. Uh, when you think about fascism, you think about two people around the time in the 30s, you think about Mussolini in Italy and Hitler in Germany, mm -hmm. those two individuals. So the, uh, that's where the fascism was going on at that time. And uh, fascism was like the same thing as being a totalitarian government, excuse me, and tyranny. You need to project an image. You need to tell a story. And to tell a story, sometimes you use uh, sports. All right? With uh, Mussolini, of course, he came into power in 1922 with the March on Rome. Uh, and they overthrew the government. And uh, somehow on the, the tyranny in Italy began. Uh, before that, there were liberals or socialists who were part of uh, of the Italian uh, political uh, system. But uh, with Mussolini crushed all that, he became the uh, the, uh, the dictator. He was the alpha, mm -hmm. uh, and thus fascism started in Europe, uh, in uh, in Italy rather, in uh, nineteen twenty-two. Mm -hmm. With the uh, of course, with fascism, of course, there's good and evil and all that. Uh, Mussolini started, uh, of course, you got to be this alpha male, yeah? uh, dressing up in uh, uh, military regalia. Just some things just you know, say, you're the man, you're the leader. Yeah? You run everything. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening, uh, happening there. So, of course, uh, uh, he used sports as a way of projecting his image, of laundering his reputation, of laundering uh, his system of government, fascism. Uh, in fact, he even told a journalist, a British journalist back then, that uh, I, want you sport to, I want sport to become part of national life of young Italy. Mm -hmm. uh, those were his words to a, a British journalist named Ivan Sharp. So he knew what he was doing. And so we got the FIFA World Cup in 1934. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, previously, uh, the, in the 1934 World Cup, that was actually boycotted by the previous champions. Uh, 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 Uruguay they bo uh, they boycotted the 1934 World Cup because most European teams refused to go to Uruguay. Uh, so they said, even us, we won't go to defend our, uh, our, our championship in Italy in 1934. So uh, Uruguay and some other South American teams didn't show up. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, there have been reports that uh, uh, Mussolini bribed... Uh, <laughs> The FIFA officials, when have you heard about that before? FIFA and, uh, uh, and corruption. That's what it, it did. So there were reports he bribed the, uh, the FIFA officials. Uh, 
And uh, Plassey was uh, flagrantly not following the rules of, uh, uh, of uh, not indulging in uh, sports organizations. So Mussolini put his party loyalties and uh, all the sports organizations, uh, local sports organizations, especially the International Olympic Committee had his pe people there. Uh, of course, when he was hosting those games, his picture was all over the stamps with players. Can you imagine that? The, the players with the president and then stamps. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, so, and uh, during the games, uh, there was nobody attended those games, but the, the radio announcers would announce that, uh, oh man, these games are well attended, there are people all over, but that wasn't true. Yeah. The, the games were not attended. Uh, but uh, if you lie that, uh, if you if you lie that the, uh, the things the government are hosting are popular, that enhances your reputation. That enhances uh, the system of government you're trying to uh, uh, in, uh, uh, to take over the country. Mm -hmm. So that was the first instance of uh, sports washing. Uh, of course, you, uh, Italy won the cup in 34 and 38. Uh, and you know, uh, as uh, with, uh, with the old fascist system, as time went by, he became more popular. It wasn't until the Second World War that, uh, of course, uh, Italy lost the war because it was part of the Axis. Uh, but uh, sports enhanced his reputation and it uh, engendered goodwill in the populace. So that was one instance of it. Uh, another instance, of course, this is very popular, as we, uh, of course, it's, uh, is uh, the Nazi government in Germany of the 30s. Uh, they use uh, the 1936 Olympics to enhance their reputation. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, they had seen what had happened in Los Angeles in 1932 with uh, it was beautifully presented. So they were trying to outdo that. And uh, that was the first Olympics that was televised. Mm -hmm. That was the first, and then it was well attended. 41 countries attended it. Uh, they commissioned uh, an artist, if you know, Lenny Rainfastel, to uh, to produce a movie like a newsreel, Olympia, uh, that uh, it was all about uh, Aryan superiority. Huh? Mm -hmm. And of course, at, around that time, of course, uh, uh, it was uh, uh, Hitler started. Uh, persecuting the the, uh, the Jews. And uh, before the Olympics, all the anti-Semitic signs all over Berlin and uh, the Russian Germany were torn down. Huh? They, you wouldn't know that uh, there were being, there were, there was a, Jews were being persecuted. There was no sign at all. They took them out. Huh? So you see, that's a, uh, using a sporting event to hide what you're doing, to engender goodwill, but meanwhile, you're doing all the opposite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, at that time, 
the the Romani uh, the Romani population. Uh, of course, uh, nobody uses the word gypsies, but the Romani population was being sent into co uh, concentration camps at that time. Uh, my, uh, just before, around the Olympics, even during the Olympics, he had sent. So, and of course, nobody is reporting that because everybody is concentrating on the Olympics. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, uh, the only uh, African uh, black populated country that uh, uh, attended that uh, the Olympics at that time was Haiti. Uh, they, I think they was represented by a, go a weightlifter, uh, but uh, but uh, he, he never competed. Uh, of course, uh, South Africa was there, but yeah, as you know, there were no black athletes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Yes, yeah, so uh, of course, uh, b even before that Olympics, just like uh, all these tournaments you hear now, people talking in the watch, we should boycott and all that. Those uh, people actually said they were going to boycott. Here in the US, uh, there's some, of course, really, especially the Jewish athletes and uh, US, uh, 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 some members of the US Olympic Com Committee were openly saying we should boycott those games. Uh, we know what's going on there by attending those games and participating. It's like we're endorsing what's happening. Mm -hmm. But uh, of course, uh, the, the head of the US Olympic Committee, a man by the name of Avery, Avery, that was, uh, I think his name was Avery Bandag, mm -hmm. uh, was a supporter of the games. Mm -hmm. Even though the other Jewish athletes were saying you should boycott them, but uh, other people uh, did boycott. Uh, remember, in, in Spain, Spain, uh, the Spain uh, people, because they were, it was a left-wing government by then, before Franco, uh, they uh, boycotted, and they had something like uh, what's it called, uh, the, the People's Olympiad. Uh, they had uh, like uh, their own uh, games called the People's Olympiad because they knew those were the one in 1936 uh, Olympic was tainted uh, with what was uh, with fascists and uh, anti-Semitism. So the, the the Spanish government uh, boycotted and held their own games called uh, the People's Olympiad. Mm -hmm. As you know, uh, that's, those are those are the games of uh, Jesse Owens who. Uh, Put in a good display uh, to uh, to uh, put a hit on the whole uh, Iranian superiority, but it even uh, it did bring some goodwill. Uh, but it didn't stop him. Of course, we had uh, for, uh, after the games. You know what happened after that in Europe. But uh, yep, so the the games were supposed to uh, were used as a way of enhancing the Aryan superiority complex. So those two examples, especially the 30s, uh, where these two fascist, fascist leaders used sports as a way of laundering their uh, reputation. Uh, they knew uh, 
their reputation is of course tarnished uh, despite uh, 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 what, what is going on uh, many people in Europe all often condemned what is going on in Italy and Germany mm -hmm. but uh, of course they use sports to enhance their uh, reputation uh, yes this, this was to go on uh, uh, in, in the in the coming episode I'm gonna in the coming segment I'm gonna cover the real modern use of sport the real sports washing which was enhanced further especially the Cold War uh, so in the next segment I'm gonna be talking about it all right thanks after uh, the World Cup of 1938 as you well know uh, 1939 the World War two broke out. And uh, therefore, uh, as you, uh, Italy and Germany, and Germany and Hungary, I think, uh, and uh, Japan during the war were part of the Axis. Everyone else, uh, the Soviet Union, the US, were part of the Allies. As you know, uh, of course, the Axis lost. And uh, immediately after that, uh, we had the Cold War. Cold War, of course, uh, is uh, generally two spheres of uh, different kinds of governments. Uh, there's a division between USSR and USA. Of course, you, we have uh, capitalism and uh, communism. Mm -hmm. Of course, capitalism is about uh, private enterprise, private pro uh, property. Uh, and communism is about collectivism, uh, yeah, ownership of uh, the economy and by the state. Uh -huh. So, uh, so basically, those two uh, entities uh, or other governments had to fight for influence. You have to show the world that uh, this system of government is better, mm -hmm. and uh, the U.S. of course. You, uh, they had the movie industry. Uh, of course, uh, they spoke English, which is uh, the most widely spoken language, of course, because of colonialism in the world. So they had movies, they had musics, music, other forms of culture like uh, restaurants, McDonald's and all that. So they didn't rely on sports to enhance their reputation, like the uh, the countries in the world, Eastern Europe did. Mm -hmm. They usually used sports to enhance their reputation. Uh, of course, uh, they didn't uh, enter the Olympics until uh, 1952. Uh, I think they were invited in 48, they declined. Uh, so I think Stalin was still uh, alive, but then he declined. And 52, they entered. Mm -hmm. They invest, USSR invested heavily in sports. Mm -hmm. Young people are identified early, where they were, they'd go to these sports camps where you're practicing nothing but sports. Mm -hmm. Whether it be athletics, swimming, uh, things like rowing, gymnastics, people are there, kids are identified early trained that's what they did you do it for the state maybe you're giving a, a little stipend but 
Remember, they were told you're doing it for the state, the state. And then uh, the goal was to compete in the Olympics. In fact, uh, the USSR was extremely successful, more than the US in the Olympics. Uh, they used to win a lot of medals. Of course, the USSR back then was much uh, a little larger, with, uh, covered a lot of entities. Uh, and uh, unlike uh, the US, where uh, you weren't professional, only only people do people competed in the Olympics were college kids, and maybe uh, another sports that didn't have uh, a culture of professionalism. Right? So yeah, that's why. And uh, even though the US cared about the Olympics. Not as much as the US side, because that's all they had. They had sports. They had sports. Of all those countries in the East, the biggest culprit of sports washing was East Germany. I was looking up East Germany in 1968, I think their population was 16 million. But they were the most successful country in the 70s and 80s in Olympic sports. They competed in athletics, they competed in swimming, rowing, and gymnastics. Both men and women. Both men and women. Mm-hmm. And uh, What became, uh, stories came, people suspe- suspected then, but it became uh, it became uh, an issue after the, the Cold War ended, that uh, there was a state program of doping players. State statute. Uh, most of you know that system uh, was discovered to still be going on in, uh, in uh, Russia. That's why... Uh, as you know now, they're not allowed to compete in the Olympics. And, uh, and currently, basically in all sports, that's because of the invasion of Ukraine. But even before that, uh, they, they can't compete in the uh, Olympics as Russia. They, they, uh, they are, the name Russia cannot be anywhere in the Olympic programs. The national anthem is not played. Mm-hmm. It's because it was discovered that there was a system of state-sanctioned doping, taking drugs, uh, taking drugs. Of course, uh, were people taking uh, uh, performance-enhancing drugs in the U.S.? Yes, and other countries. As you remember, uh, I can recall uh, Ben Johnson of Canada in '88 uh, Olympics in South Korea. Of course, he won the 100-meter dash, and later was... Uh, found to be uh, positive of uh, steroids. But that was not state-sanctioned. It was between him and his coach. The government of Canada was not involved. Uh, There are some US players, I'm told, uh, who uh, also have tested positive, but there was no, it wasn't state-sanctioned. It was always between uh, the uh, the athlete and the people around him. Nothing state sanctioned. Well, mm-hmm. it's not like uh, what happened in uh, East Germany 
and the USSR and even modern Russia. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and uh, a lot of people, uh, even Western journalists, uh, fell in love with all uh, the, all those East German athletes, especially the women. Uh, I think uh, they're saying uh, one uh, U.S. Uh, journalist. Uh, I think I think it was Time magazine where they had an article saying uh, these women are the the beautiful face of socialism. Beautiful face of socialism. So you can see how uh, uh, East Germany uh, involvement in sports washing with the whole the doping enhance uh, uh, the country's reputation. Uh, of course, nobody was talking about the the, the Stasi secret police that was uh, torturing people. Nobody's talking about. It. People are talking about the beautiful face of socialism of the women athletes. Uh, of course, back it was a different time where uh, journalists could uh, fetishize uh, women's sports, women athletes. It still goes on now, but uh, not as uh, uh, numerous as, as it was back then. Mm -hmm. Where someone, uh, uh, a publication like Time can put something like the beautiful face of socialism. Yeah? That wouldn't uh, happen now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, so those uh, in the Eastern Bloc, Yes, sports was used to wash, uh, and uh, the big incident was uh, while they were doing that, nobody was questioning uh, what USSR was doing in 56 uh, of Hungary, where they squashed a revolution by their own citizen, uh, by uh, the Hungarian citizens, uh, because it, they didn't like the government that was being formed back then, uh, so they invaded it and. Uh, even I think a fight broke out in a water polo game between a Hungarian athlete and a, a USSR athlete. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that's what. Uh, um, yeah, so those two countries used uh, sports as a way of enhancing their reputation, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they didn't have a system of uh, professionalism at the West. So you play for the state, you're given a stipend after you're done. They bring in someone. Uh, Someone that identified the younger, like that, like that. Mm -hmm. It happened all over the Eastern Bloc, but uh, no man, there's no bigger culprit like East Germany and uh, USSR. Mm -hmm. Those two countries. Mm -hmm. well, of course, you can put the, you can lump a little bit Cubans into that. Uh, uh, they have the same system. Identify people early, train them. Uh, Cuba is a small country, but they dominated uh, uh, boxing, Olympic boxing, which was, uh, it was a big deal. Uh, uh, Olympic boxing it was a big deal back then, before 89. Uh, uh, it is a big uh, <laughs> Olympic boxing uh, still a big deal, but uh, not as it was in the 80s and 90, 80, 80, 70s and 80s. I remember in Kenya, we had a boxer who won a gold in 88, and that was a big deal uh, for the country. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so you could, yeah, you could lump, uh, yeah, those three countries, uh, USSR, Cuba, and East, East, uh, East, East Germany. Of course, uh, I think these Germans, they had to do that 
because on the western side, West Germany, they, they had stuff to brag about. Uh, of course, uh, people brag about German manufacturing. Uh, they, had, uh, they could brag about uh, that they have the Mercedes, the BMWs, the Opels. Uh, uh, they were successful in the world's most famous sports. Uh, 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 West Germany was good. Uh, always went competitive World Cup, the one in 74. Uh, uh, of course, 74 and uh, well, 90, 74, 90. But in 82 and uh, 86, uh, 82, they were in the World Cup finals, 86. No, 82. Yeah, the both finals. Yeah, 82 and 86. So they lost finals, but that means that's a successful country. Mm -hmm. Their coaches were sent all over the world to teach. In fact, uh, one of the, I would say one of the most successful coaches in uh, Kenyan football uh, was a man, a man by the name uh, Reinhard Fabisch. He was German. Uh, growing up, we, uh, everybody, uh, coaches, even the older, older kids used to tell, uh, tell us to emulate the emu, to uh, emulate the Germans because uh, that's the right way to play football. Of course, uh, we didn't listen. We, like, we wanted to be Brazilians, but they played football the right way. So, so you can see how uh, the the reputation of Germany throughout the world, as far as far as police as far as Kenya, people view them uh, favorably. Feel them the sports favorably. They view them in uh, uh, the manufacturing plants favorably. Uh, so the East Germans had nothing left but to just uh, sports wash through doping. Right? Yeah, just, like I said, uh, basically a uh, country of 16 million people dominating uh, Olympics in three plus decades, both summer and winter. Uh, so that's what it should be. Mm -hmm. So that was a very, very big deal. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, uh, this all came to an end when uh, the Berlin Wall fell down, which marked the end of uh, the Cold War. And basically, the, the Eastern European way of running things was <laughs> out of style. Uh -huh. Privatization was in, uh, uh, commercialization was in, uh, all that state-run stuff was gone. Mm. Uh, of course, uh, a lot of people uh, in many countries that had uh, state enterprises, enterprises uh, that privatized them, uh, you could see some of the effects now in uh, Russia, uh, all the oligarchs came out of uh, the era of privatization being favored by the uh, Boris Yeltsin. Uh, so uh, that's what came about. Uh, and then, uh, uh, like I said, uh, sports washing went in a different manner, which I'll cover in, uh, soon, uh, in the coming minutes. But uh, around that time, something was happening in uh, South America. Uh, a different kind of uh, sports washing. Sports washing by private citizens. 
sports watching by private citizens. If, uh, that is what uh, uh, is going on now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, because uh, there was no more Soviet Union, of course, like I said, amateurism was in its way out. Mm -hmm. uh, but then that's when uh, the US stopped sending, uh, shall we say, amateurs to the Olympics? Because uh, everybody knows the dream team, they had to do it because uh, near all along the Eastern Associated USSR was sending pros, these are adults, 20, 30 year, 30 year old men uh, playing basketball, but uh, the US is sending some 18, 19 year old kids to play against them. It, uh, they won a few, but in 1998 they couldn't do it anymore and they lost. And, uh, and uh, uh, what began, hence we had the dream team. Uh, yep, uh, so uh, yeah, in the 90s, uh, like I said, uh, individuals uh, started investing in sports as a way of uh, sports watching. Uh, I gather I have to mention this in uh, Colombia, where, of course, uh, you had uh, drug business, as you know, uh, where the drugs were being uh, actually cultivated, planted and manufactured and then brought all the way to the US, because that's where the business is. Uh, it flooded uh, the whole of America, the West Coast, uh, Miami was known as a drug capital, uh, mainly by uh, Colombians. Uh, with that, uh, of course, uh, you had the, uh, the drug cartels started investing their money, laundering money in football, that's why in Colombia. Mm -hmm. You had, uh, of course, uh, the, 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 the drug cartels, uh, for, I'm forgetting his name, uh, uh, Pablo Escobar, of course, had uh, his own team. Uh, of course, uh, what team was that? Uh, it's a big in uh, it's a big team in uh, uh, what do you mean? What's the name of the team? Uh, Atletico Nacional. Uh, of course, uh, he financed the team Atletico Nacional. Uh, of course, they won the the Copa Libertadores. Libertadores, huh? that's like uh, the Champions League of South America. Mm -hmm. They won that in '99. There's a team by Pablo Escobar. Uh, there was another team that was led by another uh, drug, uh, drug, uh, drug kingpin, uh, man by the name of Miguel Rod Rodriguez. Uh, he also had another team. Uh -huh. uh, they were seen as Robin Hoods, uh, as Robin Hood figures, modern day Robin Hood figures. Uh, of course, as you know, uh, if you if you you're trying to clean up your money, you're trying to buy goodwill from the uh, from the community so that people don't snitch. But yeah, but if they don't leave, they don't snitch. The drug kingpins used to threaten them. So bring it. Uh, that means uh, you pay the players. Mm -hmm. 
you maybe support their family, you buy them houses, you you always have picnics and stuff, uh, uh, buy people shoes, uh, and all that. Uh -huh. As you know, uh, because of the the drug money in the Colombian league, what happened was uh, uh, what happened was. It brought about the most successful, I think, decade of uh, Colombian football. Mm -hmm. The Colombian team went to the uh, World Cup three times, all World Cups in the 90s. They were there in 1990 in, uh, uh, in Italy, where, of course, we got introduced to the, uh, the, 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 the rather impressive goalkeeper Vigita. Uh, they were there in '94 in the U.S., which is uh, I'll talk about that. Which is uh, the aftermath of that was crazy, and then of course in '98. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, uh, all of you have uh, seen. Uh, the, I think there's a documentary by ESPN called "The Two Escobars." Mm -hmm. How, because of the influx of drug money, we have crazy gambling. Mm -hmm. The people were throwing games. That means uh, you pay players to throw games. Uh -huh. mm. And uh, there was even an incident where I think uh, in, 18, in 1989, a referee was killed. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. After I think he disallowed a goal and that messed up the betting line of some of the gamblers and uh, he got killed. Mm -hmm. He got killed. Yeah, so with all this uh, success of colonial football, underneath was uh, just drug money, underneath was death, and underneath was intimidation. Uh -huh. So because of all this intimidation and death, eventually football began to die out in Colombia because the foreign coaches left. The foreign coaches left. Uh, people don't want to play football. So the standards were down. They started losing. Uh, and I, they didn't make the World Cup until 2014, where in Brazil, where, of course, we, we were introduced to James Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. And uh, also, the death of uh, Escobar, of course, Pablo Escobar, the big uh, uh, drug kingpin, also probably contributed to probably less violence because he's no longer there. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, but uh, it killed uh, uh, Colombian football. But during that time, it enhanced uh, people's view of Colombia, despite what people used to hear about uh, people dying from uh, by drug cartels. Mm -hmm. Most people, you know, they don't follow uh, uh, the politics or the, the what's happening in particular countries very keenly. If, you, if they're doing well in sports, that's what people follow. Uh -huh. Around that time, they had good players in the 90s, of course, that, uh, during that time, uh, if you're a good, uh, keen football follower, you remember Faustino Asprilla, 
he played professional, I think, in Italy and later in uh, in the U uh, in the United in England. He, Valderrama. Uh, he played in Europe. I think later he came and played in the MLS in the US. Mm -hmm. Of course, the co-goalie Rene Higita. Uh, the, of course, uh, 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 there's a scene in uh, I think, uh, like I said, in the Thirty to Thirty movie. Imagine. Uh, when Pablo Escobar was jailed, there's a, uh, he was being visited in his prison by uh, players by Rene Higuita. There's a video of that in, the, in that documentary. If you ever get a chance, please watch it. Uh -huh. Please watch it. And of course, uh, uh, before uh, uh, end uh, uh, about Col uh, uh, the story about Colombia, in 1994, of course, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 Colombian player who, who scored an own goal in a game against the U.S. I think that was in the second round of the World Cup. Uh, ended up uh, getting killed when the guy, of course they were eliminated and he went back to Colombia and he got killed. But uh, uh, there's some stories that uh, his death wasn't exactly as a result of what happened in the World Cup, but uh, the argument. But that contributed to. People started to question whether involvement of drug money in uh, Colombian football was, was, uh, was the right thing. Uh, it enhanced the reputation, uh, uh, the reputation of Colombian uh, players, where people got contracts uh, in Europe and stuff. But in the end, all that death and intimidation uh, killed the game. Uh, so that's what happened in the 90s. Uh, of course, uh, right now, Colombia football is doing well. They won the uh, uh, Copa America, I think, uh, is it 2016 or 2018? They're good now. They got better players. Uh, they're doing well without the drug money. But uh, yeah, it wasn't worth it. Uh, it wasn't worth it at all. Of course, uh, the 90s, we're going to talk about uh, we had now what we can see in modern sports swashing began. Mm -hmm. uh, now in the 90s, of course, uh, you had a, uh, you could start watching sports live from anywhere in the world, which marked the beginning of the Premier League in 96. I mean, the you could always watch football, but uh, not as it was as it was presented. I remember in the 80s and 90s when it comes to football uh, the Premier League wasn't that you could watch it but the Premier League wasn't that just English Division 1 football but uh, uh, football made in Germany that's what we used to watch we used to watch uh, uh, the Italian League and a little bit later the La Liga so uh, all I know like when I was growing up in Kenya at that time uh, just English football, uh, it was just, it wasn't cool to watch. But uh, in 1996, the advent of the Premier League, uh, they knew how to package it for TV. Uh, it was English speaking. The Premier League was born. And uh, when you have a successful league, like the Premier League, which is the, one of the most famous sports in the world, a lot of people want to be part of the action. 
English football, of course, was uh, in uh, Premier League was was, uh, was uh, very successful in the late nineties and early two thousands. It started uh, attracting some interest from outside the country. Uh, that's why in uh, 03, the Roman Abramovich uh, bought the Chelsea football. Of course, the team uh, wasn't doing relatively good. I think they'd won the FA a few years before that. Mm -hmm. They weren't that bad, like people say, they were mid-table. But in the, in the other, they were doing good. They had, a VR, uh, they had some good players. But uh, there was a kind of in uh, financial distress, so Roman Abramovich bought them. Mm -hmm. Hence, the beginning of modern day sports washing. Mm -hmm. That's where you wash your reputation with football, the world's most famous sport. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I'm gonna be. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna be talking about that. Now, uh, since I think 2000, uh, yeah, 2003 when uh, Chelsea was bought, how uh, the modern day sport that was the original sin of uh, English football as a means of sports washing. All right, so. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to, yeah. So just uh, a little correction. Uh, I think I, I said earlier that uh, the Premier League began in 96. It began in 1992. Yeah. So a little correction there, so I'm sorry. Uh, so I said uh, the English Premier League, uh, as soon as it was being marketed throughout the world, became very popular. Uh, it was in, in, the, in the 1992 when it first came out. Of course, uh, were in England at that time, you had uh, your early 90s, you're limping towards the end of the Conservative government. I think John Major was a Prime Minister. So in 1997, of course, Labour came into government. Tony Blair was a Prime Minister. And uh, to school Britannia, as they used to say back then, uh, he was young, charismatic. Uh, it was all about looking to the future, slick. We're open to the world, globalization. We're open for business, even though uh, uh, mm -hmm. you will uh, remember he was new labor, so not like the old uh, socialist labor. Yeah? So he was pro business, we're pro capitalism, we are pro private enterprise. Yeah? So uh, you can see how uh, the Premier League began to thrive, it was really marketed. Uh, uh, Sky News uh, became the main uh, tele uh, sports sports TV in England. Uh, of course, you know it was owned by Rupert Murdoch. Uh, you, could, you could see what he did with when uh, Fox Sports started here in the US. Initially, uh, just to get the buzz, overpaid people, and then. Uh, uh, Fox Sports became synonymous with, synonymous with uh, uh, NFL. Sports uh, Sports became big in America, something to look forward to watch on Sunday. Uh, 
became became associated with uh, uh, American football, the NFL. Same thing in England. Sky Sports launched that uh, in the early nineties, yeah. and the Premier League took off. Took off. So uh, you might not like <laughs> it's politics, but uh, in those two situations, uh, Rupert Murdoch was a genius. Uh, so, like I said before, English English football overtook all the other European leagues in popularity. Became more popular than uh, Italian football, Italian soccer, uh, soccer league. Became more popular than La Liga in Spain. Became more popular than Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. We talk about popularity, not the the class of football that was being played, just in popularity. Yeah? Of course, with such a popular league entity, like I said, you're bound to attract people. And so uh, it attracted, uh, it attracted uh, Robert, uh, Roman Abramovich in 2003. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, we now know the history how uh, the Russian oligarchs took advantage of the privatization that was happening after the fall of Palermo when people things were being privatized. Uh, it was an affair system. So if you're closer to the leadership, of course, you took advantage. Uh, and, that's, uh, and, uh, and then to survive in that country, he had to close the leadership. Uh-huh. He had to be close the leadership. So, like uh, at that time when uh, Abramovich was buying uh, us, uh, was buying Chelsea. Sorry, thank God he never bought Arsenal. Uh, uh, was it buying Chelsea rather? The the the, the Chechnya war is, was going on, and uh, the British government said he he owns a steel company that was just supplying the weapons then. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, number one, as it was then, I don't think that the Premier League and the FA didn't have a system of monitoring uh, people who were coming to buy teams. Uh, they liked the money. Uh, I think he was a billionaire then, so he, someone with money, bring him in. Uh, I think that's when uh, the Russians started buying property and all that. Mm-hmm. But people, uh, people have always bought property in England. There's a there's attracted <laughs> some people might not like it, unscrupulous, unscrupulous individuals. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, people from countries in Africa have property in London, bought property in London. Uh, so it was bound to attract uh, Russian uh, money. Mm-hmm. And with that, their industries, cottage industry meant to serve those people, lawyers, PR agents, real estate agents, mm-hmm. people to attract them to those uh, private British uh, schools. Mm-hmm. A lot of people take uh, the kids to high school in, uh, high school in, and even uh, as young as elementary school kids to England. You know, they love those boarding schools. Mm-hmm. That's why, uh, 
Yeah, so like say the, the time of Tony Blair, encourage a, to, uh, a foreign uh, uh, enterprise, mm-hmm. and because you're shopping around, yeah, remember the you, you told you was interested in other teams, Roman Abramovich. As you can know now that uh, we know that uh, he was encouraged by the Kremlin to buy a British institution to launder his reputation and enhance the influence of the Russian government there. Mm-hmm. Of course, now the Atlantic was reporting that uh, there's been a, a, a Spanish intelligence committee. Uh, of course, this was said by David Davis, an MP. Uh, he told, he said it uh, in Parliament that uh, the Italian, Spanish intelligence uh, gave a dossier that he manages Putin's private economic affairs. That's the Spanish intelligence. So the kind of dossier they had on Roman Abramovich. Hmm? And that's why he was denied Swiss partnership. Imagine a, a, a country that has uh, uh, rules for banking secrecy, denying you citizenship, Switzerland, because the EU uh, countries in the EU, their intelligence officers determine that uh, you run Putin's economic affairs. Mm-hmm. And I'm, uh, I wouldn't be surprised with a lot of uh, European intelligence services had a dossier on him, but the politicians did, just did not want to carry it further because somehow they wanted a good reputation with Russia. Mm-hmm. I think whether here in the US or uh, in Europe, there was a thinking that if you treat them well, if you treat, uh, 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 introduce them to Western uh, activities, uh, or, uh, way of doing things, they'll change their ideas and uh, it will be a, just a, for lack of a better term, a labor, eventually a, a liberal democracy. Of course, uh, that has not turned out to be true. Uh, Putin viewed those things as a sign of uh, naivete and uh, and uh, and weakness. Mm-hmm. That's why he encouraged someone like uh, uh, Abramovich, and uh, with him, as you now know that uh, he was sports washing for the Russian uh, uh, for the Russian government. People looked February to February to Russia. Mm-hmm. As I said, uh, a cottage industry developed around uh, Russian affairs because of the money that was coming in, either through sports, through the media, through real estate, and then there are the people there to serve them. Mm-hmm. And if, uh, if you become closer, especially now, as you can see, with the, co- especially with the conservative government, mm-hmm. Uh, they are likely to look favorably to you. Hmm? You enhance goodwill. Hmm? Yeah, through that, uh, 
Putin was able to strengthen control domestically. Mm -hmm. And you soften the opposition. People are less, uh, people are less uh, likely to criticize you. Mm -hmm. And of course, the, uh, he, he took advantage of the British libel laws. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, uh, journalists had all these stories about him, but none of them could be printed because uh, the newspapers were scared especially with someone with deep pockets as him, scared. Hmm? And those libels are expensive, man, expensive. Uh -huh. But um, probably in the future I'll talk about those libels. They actually protect the powerful. They don't protect uh, people with less power. Uh -huh. Those little British libels protect the powerful. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So, the people who always uh, question the other, uh, who should be questioning the powerful people with power, people who have access to the government, uh, people who have me can easily have meetings with the government. You can't criticize those people because of the British libel laws. That's why, uh, of course, uh, once uh, back then, once you invested in uh, in England, and England back then was part of the EU, you could go all over. You had the protection of the British government. Maybe once you became a citizen of England, you're a citizen of the EU back then. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not like now. Uh, where after 2016, uh, of course, England left the EU. There have been rumors that uh, during the referendum for European Union, mm -hmm, it's now a fact that uh, money from Russia funded the Vote Leave campaign. Mm -hmm. And you do that by laundering your reputation. You learn your reputation through sports, through appearing in uh, horse racing and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine now, as you know, uh, Chelsea has been sanctioned. A club that has been in existence since 1905 uh, is being sanctioned. We don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows as of uh, today. I'm taping this on the uh, 15th of uh, March. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, they've been sanctioned by the British government because they're Abramovich owns it. And they're now being sanctioned by the EU. I don't know how that will going to impact their James Ford, and, uh, especially in the European Champions League, they are this uh, defending champions. Yeah? Do they get kicked out? Nobody knows. Mm. As of now, we don't know. But uh, I was watching a, 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 a YouTube channel, I think Highbury Squad, and Rebecca Law was there, the British journalist who presents the Premier League of uh, on NBC. I think she was saying, I think she supports uh, Crystal Palace. She's, she's, she's happy. We, we, you don't have that kind of owner. And uh, and just like me, I don't, uh, I, don't have, I don't have any sympathy for Chelsea fans. You gladly took that dirty money. Uh, you had fun. You won cups. 
where you could brag to uh, yourselves and rival fans. But now uh, you just got caught and it's now tainted. Mm-hmm. It's now tainted. So, and I'm glad uh, my club, Arsenal, dodged that. Mm-hmm. We had our own oligarch who was trying to gain favor. You think he bought some shares, but uh, he eventually lost the power to stand Kroenke. Some people have problems with Kroenke, but uh, he's still had better than Usmanov. Can you imagine if where it would be? We would be like, uh, what's happening in uh, Chelsea and uh, Everton right now? Uh, our The owner of our team could have been uh, sanctioned. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, I'm not bragging, but uh, deep down, <laughs> I never wanted him to take over. Usmanov to take over Arsenal. For some reason, I knew it, it, it would not end up well. But uh, some people had envy. They wanted uh, they used to look at Chelsea and all that. They wanted that, but uh, something about it uh, I never liked. Uh, and uh, you can praise the other the, the people in uh, Arsenal board who could never sell their shares to him. Thank God we dodged a bullet there. Dodge the bullet. Uh-huh. Dodge the bullet. Mm-hmm. So so that's what's going to happen. But, uh, and then, um, of course, you know, three. And then, so because once you let in someone like Abramovich as an owner in, uh, in one of the teams, we have uh, now uh, Man City. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, before that, uh, before they were bought by the uh, the 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 Emirates, the Abu Dhabi people, Sheikh Mansour. Before that, Takshin Sinawatra, the uh, the PM of uh, Thailand, uh, bought them, and he had some uh, human rights allegations against him too. Huh? Imagine going from that to uh, Sheikh Mansour, mm-hmm. which uh, the human rights situation in his country is not also not stellar. Imagine a state owning that team. You're trying to launder, that, that's a way of laundering their reputation too. Uh, now the, the major one is Newcastle. And now the, the rumors are that the British government had a hand in uh, uh, the, Saudi, uh, uh, the Saudi consortium taking over Newcastle. Mm-hmm. This is after what happened to <laughs> the journalists in uh, in, uh, in their Turkish embassy. Uh, this is after, in fact, this weekend I'm told they executed 81 people. This is after just killing of gays, the beheading. Come on, imagine doing that. And uh, anyway, but uh, they were allowed to own teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you want to know how how sports washing works? Look at uh, how Chelsea fans have responded with all the water battery. Mm-hmm. They f- they refuse to reckon that uh, the money that brought so much joy in their lives was looted has been used to kill people in uh, Chechnya, 
in Georgia in 2008, uh, in uh, Crimea in 2014, and now currently being used to kill people in uh, the whole of Ukraine right now. Mm -hmm. They're just running uh, uh, into <laughs> uh, excuses for their owner. Mm -hmm. Just lack of second level thinking from Chelsea fans. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I won't be surprised if in the future the situation, the owners of Manchester City and Newcastle, uh, questions arise. Uh, questions will arise. It, it can't go on like this because uh, now people have uh, all this media, this Twitter, uh, all these uh, private uh, means of communication. People are going to talk about it. Come on, ooh, ooh. imagine uh, what's happening in uh, Saudi Arabia and in, uh, in, uh, in the Emirates and the US own teams here. Uh, come on now. Uh, people question that. People question that. And uh, over the weekend, they'll see the, the coach of Newcastle, he got mad. But I do question why would you take, out, take, out, take that job? You had a good reputation when we were in Bournemouth. I know you were fired eventually, but she doesn't accept that job. Uh, was it the Celtic or the Rangers, one of them in, uh, in, in Scotland? He could have accepted that. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you knew what's out there and you still accept the job from them. So if I was him, I don't get mad unless the owners of Newcastle actually come out and answer questions. You're the face of that team. So what's, what's going on now, you, you'll be questioned. I don't know why Pep is not being questioned. He should be questioned too. Pep Guardiola, the coach of uh, Manchester City. Just that to share that uh, Chelsea is being questioned. Mm -hmm. They should be questioned. Mm -hmm. Hopefully things change and uh, the Premier League can use... Uh, can bring in new rules so they're going to clean up uh, the ownership. Because mm -hmm. uh, that means that they're not question, they, they don't get questioned throughout the world because uh, their own teams in the most popular league, in the most popular sport. That means it touches at every tentacle in the, in the world. Nobody's questioning them because they can use uh, their goodwill to promote their business, to promote their government, mm -hmm. to kill opposition, that's what, mm -hmm. opposition to their, to their regimes. That's, that's what sports washing does. Mm -hmm. That's what sports washing does. Strengthen control domestically. It's like, look, we own those teams in England. Mm -hmm. And let's uh, say people want to question us. Like, no, these people are against our government. So it softens the opposition. Softens the opposition. Of course, uh, 2022 is the year of sports washing. Yeah. You had the, the Winter Olympics in uh, China. Well, of course, uh, you can know what's happened to the Uyghur Muslims. Yeah. And uh, yeah. 
They should, they should not be allowed to host Olympics, but at least uh, uh, the American journalist, even though they're not, they're not only an American journalist, basically most of the journalists have questioned the China's human rights record while they're in China, which is very brave. But the thing is, most people actually don't follow that. They'll watch the games and then they'll be happy for you know, China, where they do some, some journalists will do soft stories. But uh, I'm glad uh, that some, uh, some journalists never bought that. And I hope that's the, uh, that's, uh, we have that kind of coverage at the end of this year with the World Cup in Qatar. Because uh, what happened in Qatar, uh, what, is, what is happening in Qatar now, is just major human rights violations. The people who died building those uh, stadiums in that heat, mm, the, the, how the how workers have been treated, of course, uh, when you have people attend those uh, games, uh, they're not sure that part. But uh, if you have uh, just a little, want to think a little widely, uh, you would sneer at that. But uh, and it's going to work. Qatar hosting the World Cup at the end of the day is going to work. It's going to enhance goodwill of that region. It's going to enhance the goodwill of that region. Sports washing, because uh, most people will not care. They'll say, oh, they were treated well, the stadiums are good, they ate good food, they watch football. They won't care about uh, the mysteries and those uh, people work there as African maids. Uh, there were a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, Af uh, yeah, African women work there as uh, house helps. Who, when you get there, they take your passport. Once someone takes your passport, you have no rights. Do they pay you? How many hours are you allowed to work? Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. But uh, yeah, people are going to have fun. But I hope uh, journalists point out the human rights violations. Even though in the end, some most people won't read the articles or watch the, those uh watch programs on, on human rights violations, they don't care about the game. But uh, I hope people do. Uh, just uh, while, you, while you're enjoying the game, think about what happens when the building of those stadiums, the people support the whole system, the, the house helps and everybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of course, so when... <laughs> When uh, people were enjoying the World Cup in Russia in 2018, the Russians were bombing Syria into oblivion, uh, into smithereens. And people had fun. I'm guilty too. I enjoyed those games. Mm -hmm. Especially when France won the World Cup. But uh, while people are doing that, what they were doing in. Uh, Spain is crazy. A few months before that, I think they had, uh, they had killed the Russian, uh, uh, a Russian opposition figure in England, poisoned one. I think uh, the individual and the daughter. 
And then months later, they're, <laughs> they're hosting uh, the World Cup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that, that has been the issue for 2018 World Cup and 2022 World Cup. Just should never be held in those countries. Of course, uh, I think in 2011, I think that then FIFA Secretary General, of course, Sepp Blatter's president, but uh, Secretary General said they, they, uh, they love hosting a World Cup in tyrannical uh, governments because there's less opposition from people in those countries. So a stadium can be built anywhere. It can be built as fast as possible. Uh, nobody's going to question anything. So they prefer. But if a World Cup was to be held in somewhere like uh, in, uh, Western Europe, uh, in some Asian country, uh, uh, South America, even let's say for, for some reason, even South Africa, there was opposition some kind of position to go to how much money was spent, the validity of building uh, the, some stadiums. But in uh, Russia and uh, in Qatar this year, there's no such questions. Nobody cares. Mm -hmm. They'll put on a good show, even though uh, human rights uh, violations are going on. Mm -hmm. So sports washing, Works. Mm -hmm. Sports washing works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just think about it next time you watch a World Cup in uh, in November this year. All right. Anyway, uh, I hope uh, you, uh, you liked up uh, our show today. Uh, we are on uh, all uh, podcast platforms, uh, Spotify. Uh, Apple, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all podcast hosting, hosting platforms you can find us. Of course, uh, on uh, Instagram, Tea Time Pod, Team Tea Time Pod on Instagram, at Team Tea Time Pod on uh, Twitter, Team Tea Time Pod on YouTube. So like us, share, comment. Uh, we're always looking to improve, so we, are, we welcome criticism. All right. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you next time. Thank you. Bye.